Hey guys, this is Tina Recklage, and you're listening to the Grow and Go podcast, the show about growing, challenging, and encouraging each other to dig deeper than the social norms. Let's grow and go together. What is up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Grow and Go podcast with your host, as always, Tina Recklage. Um, hey, guys, welcome back. We are still in this little mini series about um, not who God is, but who God isn't. And I kind of wanted to talk a little bit more about that. I feel like I feel like this topic's really been hitting me a lot lately, just in my own personal walk, personal growth. And um, I feel like I kind of wanted to just share some stuff with you guys and just kind of like give you a little insight on what is happening in my own life and some uh, like realizations, revelations, I guess you can call it, um, just about what God has been revealing to me about himself. Um, and so I kind of wanted to talk a little bit more about that. Um, but before we get into that, I do want to share the embarrassing story of the week. So this happened in seventh grade. Now, I am not proud of this story. But I do want to share it because it's good content. <laughs> but I wanted to share it because it's pretty funny. And like I said, seventh grade. I don't know about you, but seventh grade me was kind of a kind of a goofball. Okay, I, and that's me being nice. I was kind of weird. Okay, to say the least. Um, and I, you know, wanted to make some good memories. I wanted to be the funny guy essentially. So I would do things to make people laugh, to think that, you know, I was being some sort of funny guy and people would look up to me in that, uh, aspect. But, uh, I, I did, this isn't, like I said, this isn't something that I'm super proud of. So, um, there was one night, a group of us, including my, me and my brother and a couple of our friends in the neighborhood. Um, it's a late night, probably nine o'clock, right? Super late for seventh grade. And we're just like, Hey, we should go ding dong ditching. That'd be fun. You know, like little, little, little rascals that we are. We're just a bunch of goofballs are like, Hey, let's, let's go ding dong ditch some old people while they're trying to sleep on a weekday. So we, uh, and it was in the middle of summer too. So it's not like we had anything going on. So, um, you know, we, we decided, Hey, we're going to go ding dong ditch a couple houses. We're going to set up like we had this little like tripod camera thing that we just set up across the street from the houses that we ding dong ditched. And we like hit it. So they, the houses couldn't even see it, but we like, we're like, Oh my gosh, we're going to get such a good reaction. But like people just opened their door and just looked out and saw no one. So they're like, Oh, that's stupid. Then close the door. Um, and so, you know, we thought we were just, we thought we were funny. Right. And, but I, like I said, thought I wanted to be the funny guy. I took it up a notch. So we're about done and we're like, Hey, let's get one more house. And then I decide I'm gonna, I'm just going to be in my underwear like, I'm going to take off my shirt, my shorts, socks, and I'm just going to be in my boxers, my briefs, my seventh grade briefs, and ding-dong ditch these houses, or this last house. And so I did. I took off my shirt. I took off my shorts. I took off my socks. And I was just standing there in my uh, boxers. And so we ran up to this house, and um, we, you know, I ran up. I ding-dong ditched and ran back. Um, we didn't have the camera on this one. But this person, I'm going to call it a woman, just just for the sake of the story. I, I'm pretty sure it was. But this woman was so frustrated that we ding-dong dish her at, at like 9, it's like 10 o'clock at this point, that she got in her car and, circ- and drove around the neighborhood to go find us. 
And luckily, we knew all the spots. So we would cut through yards. Like, we would go to the backyards of houses and stuff. And then at one point, like, it, it was scary. Like, we we felt like fugitives. Like, and so we're we're running. We're running through neighborhoods. The neighborhood, the, the, the you know, the yards and stuff. And at one point, she's, like, coming down the street. And I'm just standing by a mailbox. My mailbox. And my mailbox was really thick. Like, it was all brick. So when she drove past, I, like, hid behind it. And then, like, as she drove around, I, like, maneuvered myself around it so she couldn't see me because I was just behind the mailbox the entire time. In my underwear. Still, I just want to remind you, in my underwear. And so this woman didn't even see me. And so when she went back to her house, you know, we're all in the backyard of my house at this point, just cracking up. We're like, oh, my gosh. Like, that was so close. Like, we're, we're screwed. She ended up going home. Little did we know that she had called the police. And so all of a sudden we're in my backyard and a cop just pulls on the side of our street, sees a bunch of kids in the backyard, walks up and asks what we're doing. And at this point, I'm just in my underwear. Like I had no time to like I, I put on shorts or anything. So I quickly, you know, I'm standing there. And then he said he, he's asking us a couple questions. And then at one point he just like looks at me and goes, um, Son, I'm going to need you to put, a, put on a shirt. <laughs> so, uh, needless to say, my mom, like, he, he, my mom came out. She wasn't happy with us, of course. Um, and I don't, I don't know if he put my name in a record or whatever, but I always tell people, I'm like, that was my first experience with the police. <laughs> and, uh, and the cop got me shirtless. So it was, a uh, it was a great experience. Okay. So thank you for listening to the embarrassing story, by the way. I hope you don't judge me after those, but I do want to share uh, today's topic, which is God isn't depending on us. Now, what do I mean by that? Now, I mean that sometimes we get into this idea that God is relying on us to do the work that he could do by himself. And, you know, so when we accept him as our savior, when we put our trust in him and when we call him our, our, you know, our redeemer in our lives, there's this temptation to think that we suddenly have to prove ourselves to God or that we have to prove that our devotion to him is real. Um, so it's almost believing that God is still skeptical of our hearts when he knows full well how deep the seed is in the soil of our hearts. And so we almost, like like I said, there's this temptation to think that like, oh snap, I need to prove that I'm who God, who that I believe who he says he is and that's all by my works instead of just by my faith, right? So the mindset almost comes from this idea that we can essentially work our way back into God's favor. But we already know that we are in God's favor, not because of our work, not because of what we what we do here or what we've done or what we'll continue to do, but because of Jesus's finished work. So not our ongoing one, right? But I think that's what begs the question is, how do we shift our minds from thinking that God is solely relying on us to be his hands and feet? You know, like, well, and for one, I should say that we are called to be the hands and feet of the church. Not, not, we're not called to be God. Okay. We're not called to be the hands and feet of God, but of the church of Christ. And so there's a couple of verses. There's first Corinthians 12, 12, where it says, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. And you can go, and there's a verse a little bit later on in the same, in the same chapter. It says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And so when we talk about the body, we, there's a lot of different functions for the body, right? So the body, there's an ear and it hears, right? 
there's feet and they move. There's hands that help, that grab stuff, right? And just as a natural human body, Jesus essentially tells us that we're called to be the body of the church. And if we need to listen, then we need to listen. And if we need to use our hands to, to help people, if we need to be the hands and feet. So basically, we get this verse and we assume that, oh, snap, we're called to be the hands and feet. Therefore, we are responsible. There's this temptation that we're the ones responsible, right? To do what he has called us to do. And it's true. But we aren't called to do the work, but to participate in it. So we, we're called to be humble and lowly and and not to assume or anoint ourselves as the people called to do the work. We are not the people who represent God. We are the participators in pointing people towards him. But that comes from a couple things. One, doing, serving people, right? And living intentionally and living with integrity and doing the work and to serve people and point them towards Christ and who, who ultimately asked them to repent and submit. So it's not like we could be doing the work that he could be doing, right? And so when it comes to this, we are not responsible for doing what God has called us to do. Like we'll get a little bit into it. There's a verse that I want to share later, but God is solely reliable on himself. God can do whatever he wants to do and he doesn't need our help, right? But yet we get into this mindset where we do. And this whole idea kind of started from... Um, there's this worship leader, um, and I, I don't know, I'm not going to say his name, but he's holding these, um, conferences right now. So I have kind of mixed feelings on this topic. He's holding these little, not even conferences, they're, they're, he's calling it peaceful pro, uh, protest, right? But he's going to different cities all throughout the U S um, and, and having, and good, good intentions by the way, but he's going to different cities, different towns all across the States. Um, and having like worship gatherings or peaceful protest with worship and singing and dancing, you know, and, and people are getting baptized and people are, are hearing about Jesus. And this is awesome. Like, this is what we are called to do, right? We're called to be, we're called to make disciples. We're called to make disciples. We're called to bring people in. You know, we want to make, I think our goal as believers is to make heaven crowded, right? Um, but I've had mixed feelings because it's almost like, there's a there's a little like play going around right and obviously you want to be spreading the good news of the gospel right but there's also this idea that hey we're also called to serve people and serving people means to to be protective of them and you know it's not like i want to walk into a room knowing full well i might have i it, under the assumption that i have covid-19 right walking into a room and being like hey guys Jesus loves you. And then like spreading the gospel to them, telling them the gospel, but at the same time, I'm putting them at risk because of my health. Right. And so I'm mixed on this whole idea of these little mini protests that's going around because it's like, that's a good intention and it's good for us to spread the gospel as we're called to do. We're called to make disciples. Right. But at the same time, it's like, at what cost is it that we're putting other lives at harm just for the sake of a worship gathering or just uh, for the sake of these um, ideas that we're spreading the gospel, right? I think this worship leader has really good intentions, but I think the idea is that we almost need to care a little bit more. But I think what I want to narrow back down uh, around this whole topic, around today's episode and this whole 
uh, these little protests that are going around, right? Is that like, God isn't depending on us, right? Like we, we don't have to go put other people at risk almost as an effort for us to show that we are reliable enough, that we are going to spread the gospel regardless of the situation. And as we should, but I think also loving people is not putting them at risk. Um, and there's a verse too. Ah, oh, gosh, I can't tell you what it is right now, but it's like, we can't like loving people isn't leading them to be, um, leading them to sin. Um, not to say that sickness is sin, but it's, if we are more and more focused on making sure that we're spreading the gospel, regardless if people are at risk or at harm by it, then we're not caring about them. If that makes sense, because we're, ultimately saying, Hey, like we have this hope. Um, but at the same time, like we're, we're so like filled on hope that we're not even going to be careful about what's going on. You know, like I think this worship leader could honestly, you look at artists like Billie Eilish, uh, I think Chance the Rapper, or like all these people who are doing their like concerts that they were supposed to have during this 2020 year, but because of COVID they couldn't. And they're doing it on Instagram live. They're paying, people are paying money to see this, right? So there's Billie Eilish, these people, all these, all these artists are not putting other people at harm, right? Because they're doing it via Instagram stories, via live stream. So it's like, you can still get the experience of worship. And like, as believers, we are called to be in fellowship with one another, but that's what our churches are for, right? Like we can watch church online together and fellowship. We can watch it with our families. We can watch it online or at some churches like my like mine, we can go into churches six feet away, <laughs> specific services designed for uh, the people who are more uh, compromised, right? But at the same time, it's like we're called to have fellowship, but like almost at what cost is it that we, if we're putting other people at risk, right? So it goes back to this mentality of like, is God depending on us? <laughs> and the answer is no, God isn't depending on us but he's commanding us to participate and to participate means to do a part of his work that he could ultimately do by himself, but he's, he's given us the opportunity to do it. Right. Like God can and will do whatever is in his will to do. So he isn't putting all of his trust in us. He isn't putting all of his trust in that worship leader to spread the gospel. He wouldn't be God in that situation. In fact, that's where we see our cravings to make idols of our, of our own ministry. That's when they can come in. You know, we can treat what we do and say as if we are responsible for making sure the world knows about Jesus and that we're, we're responsible of spreading the gospel and we're responsible of making disciples, but we are not God. He is, and he can do whatever pleases him. And so there's, I got a couple passages that I, I have in front of me too, that I just kind of wanted to, um, read. Um, and so the first one's in Matthew, uh, 26, and it's talking uh, about, I'll get to it real quick. I don't want to. Okay. So this is around the time that uh, Jesus was betrayed and arrested, right? So of course, Judas came with uh, the crowd and brought all these people, all, all these people with um, swords and clubs that basically were going to arrest him. And, you know, I don't know what else to say about that. Just arrest him. And so uh, there is this part where, you know, obviously Judas comes up, kisses Jesus, 
and you know that's when Jesus knows like okay like this everything that's going on right now was talked about in scripture previously right so then at one point it says this <clears throat> in verse uh, so Matthew 26 verse 51 it says and behold one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear Gen- then Jesus said to him put your sword back into its place for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. And this is the key verse right here. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels for how then should the scriptures be fulfilled? If that must be so. And so Jesus is almost essentially saying like, um, do you not realize that I could do this all on my own? Like you don't have to like, I think, I think it's Peter who did it actually. But in this situation, I'll just say the disciple who was with him, um, he went and thought I have to take matters into my own hands. And so he decided I'm going to attack one of these guards because I need to prove to Jesus how loyal I am. Right. But in a situation, Jesus doesn't, isn't like, oh my gosh, I'm so proud of you. But he's looking at this disciple and saying, Hey, put this sword away. Don't you realize that I could do this myself? Like I'm allowing this to happen. Like COVID-19, God, as as hard as it is to say, and because there's a lot of believers who have passed away and, not, and non-believers too, a lot of people who never came to the realization of Christ, a lot of, people's, a lot of people who do know Christ have come under the sickness and have passed. And it's terrible. But God allowed it. As, as hard as it is to say that, God allowed this to happen. It wasn't, he wasn't caught off by, by COVID. He wasn't caught off by all the deaths that have happened because of it. And the situation is that we want to take things into our own hands, right? But Jesus is saying, hey, put, put your sword away. Don't you realize I'm in control? I can, I can control this. But instead, that's where we need to just rely on trust. Because a lot of times I feel like we try to make understanding of all this. And instead of us, we, instead of trying to just trust in him, we're trying to find solutions. We're like, okay, now what do we, what is it that we have to do? What is it that we could be doing better? But God's like, I got this. Why are you worried? (laughs) You know I mean? Like God is fully capable of doing things his own way. So there needs not to be a pressure for us to do, do, do. Instead, here's the takeaway is that God is not the one in need. We are. So, if God was dependent on us, he would demand perfection, which is impossible. Now look at, now let's go to Mark uh, 10 verse 35. And so it's talking about, um, I'll just, I'll just read the whole thing because I don't want to get too, um, I don't want to get distracted. But so it says this, James and John, the sons of Zebedee came up to him and said to him, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, grant us to sit one at your right and one at your left in your glory. Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, the cup that I drink, you will drink with the baptism and with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but is for those for whom it has been prepared. And so in this situation, you can see that God is almost saying like, hey, 
are you able to do what I can do? And that's where it's, it's hard because we want to say, because we are in Christ and we are, we are new creations and we are made new because of him, because of his work that all of a sudden we're think there's this assumption that, Oh, we can do that because we have God's power. We have God's strength and keep in mind, we do have his strength. We do have his peace in us, but that does not mean that we are capable of doing all things the way that he would do it. Cause then that would make us gods. Right. And so, and, and that, let me tell you, like that is just a tricky line in and of itself. So, um, you know, like there's, you know, that would be making idols. Right. And so, um, we can treat what we do and say, as if we, as if we're responsible for that, but we're not, but Jesus is the gospel. We're, we're called to spread the gospel. We're not called to, to make sure that everybody is doing their part. We are not God. So just a few touch points that I just wanted to share, um, which is God isn't waiting on us to do his work. God is more than capable of doing things his way. And we have the opportunity to be participants of spreading his word and pointing people back to Jesus. So we don't have to have all this pressure of like, oh man, am I doing things the way that God would want me to do? You know, am I doing enough for him? Am I being bold in my faith? You know, am I doing things for him? Like, is God proud of me? I think, I think that's what, I I think that's what it is that we're wanting is that like, that approval of like, God, are you, are you proud of me? Like, look at all that I'm doing. Like, are you proud of me? But God isn't even, he, he looks at us as if he looks, he looks at us and sees Jesus, right? Because of what Jesus did on the cross, we have his righteousness on us. And that's not something that we could earn. That's not something that we could work for. That's not something that one day we'll get but that's something that Jesus already did on our behalf, not because of anything that we would do or will do, but because of what he did for us. So essentially Jesus finished the work. I think that's why he said it is finished. It was because he said, I, God was dependent on Jesus in that situation because Jesus needed to go to the cross. Jesus needed to be separated and to be, be the lamb. And so in this assumption that we think that we have to be the ones that God's depending on, we're forgetting that Jesus was already dependable. And if God was dependent on us, he would demand perfection. And Jesus was perfection. Jesus was holy and blameless and, and pure. He was perfect. He'd, he'd never, he's, he had never sinned. And that's why he came to the cross, right? It's because he was the one who had to do it. God was depending on him to save us. And thankfully, thankfully, even though Jesus said, Lord, if this cup can pass from me, then uh, God, please let it happen. (laughs) Thankfully, Jesus was obedient to the point of cross, obedient to the point of death. So that way we could be free. And that way God doesn't have to depend on us anymore. God doesn't depend on us. God doesn't need us. But, He's given us the opportunity, opportunity and obligation for us to be participators of the world. There's this verse, I think it's in James, where it says, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers, right? And so to be doers is to be, to let our faith 
be an outpour and because of our faith and belief in God, then we have works. It's not based on our works and, and faith. It's not like, oh, that person only has works or, or that person only has faith. It's because of our faith that works come out of us, right? It's our heart change. It's our heart. When, when we fully believe who God is, then our hearts will change. Our hearts will soften and we'll be like, oh my gosh, Lord, I want to live my life for you. I want to submit my life to you because I see what you did on my behalf. I see what you did for me that I didn't even deserve. And so when we take on this role of thinking that I need to somehow earn my way back, then we're completely forgetting what Jesus did. We're complete, we're diminishing everything that he came to do because it's already done. You know, like we don't have to work for it anymore. I think we need to continue working at it, but I don't think we need to work for it because in Christ, we are, we are already accepted. We are already loved. We are already his children. If we are in Christ and we, uh, we already possess everything that God would give us. So it's not like we have to earn for it. Right. And so I'll repeat what I said is that God isn't the one needing us. But in return, we need him because without him, we are desperate. We're wicked people without a savior, without the penalty of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. And I, I'm sitting here right now and I'm thinking about literally like 20 minutes before I started recording, I was scrolling through Facebook and there's this, there's this guy that I like used to work with at a grocery store and he's super nice guy. Like honestly, probably one of the like most joyful people. And like, he was, he was so kind, so funny. And, and after I left the grocery store job, I became friends with him on Facebook. And I noticed that he was an atheist and not to say like, Oh my gosh, point at him and be like, he's an atheist. I can't believe that. But I was shocked that he was an atheist and he was like posting things and he was like joking. And I think he was taking his like joking and humor and stuff, um, towards Christianity. And, and, you know, I of course didn't, like, I'm not going to be like, hey, dude, I don't like that. Like, I don't know, you, you shouldn't do that. Like, almost as if I'm the represent the the person representing God in that. But I was I was shocked by that. And so I'm scrolling through Facebook and I see and, and I see that someone posted on his wall and said, like, you know, rest in peace. I can't believe that you died so young. And it makes me think about the fact that I think my my natural instinct was man, why didn't I talk to him? You know, why didn't he, I, why didn't I even try to be loving and to point him towards Jesus, you know? And there's a lot of parts where I feel like I should have done something. You know, I, I should have done that. And that's where like this whole topic goes into play where it's like, I should have done that. I, I, I should have done, I, I should have been the one to do this. I should have been the one, this is my responsibility, I, I, but it's not. And that's the hard part. And that's the hard thing to swallow. It's not, my lack of sharing the gospel with him that led him to die. But that encourages me to be like, this isn't depending on me, but because of what God did for me, I get to. And it makes me think why, like, why is my heart not as receptive to pointing or to showing the gospel because it's so freeing and so not even just fulfilling, but it's saving and it makes my heart think like, man, why am I, why do I withhold, you know? And then you have people like this worship leader who is going out despite, <laughs> despite a sickness going around, despite, you know, 
regulations and mandates going around and he's going around spreading the gospel. And that's where I commend him for saying, I'm going to do this, but God isn't depending on him to spread the gospel. And God isn't depending on me to spread the gospel, but he is asking us to participate and to say, Hey, you get to, you get to spread the gospel. Like the good news that you received, because you now get to be with an eternity with me you get to have that too. And you get to spread that to other people. Don't you want heaven to be crowded? Like I almost picture Jesus, like shaking me essentially be like, don't you want more people with me? Like, don't you see how, how freeing this is like you. And that's where it's like, I feel like I'm so, I I have like, God's depending on me, but the truth is God isn't depending on me and God isn't depending on you, but he's saying you get to, it's an obligation slash opportunity, you know, and my, that's something my pastor says, I think he says oblig, opportunity, <laughs> but guys, we get to spread the gospel. It's not that he's expecting us to, or that he is demanding us to, but he's saying, go and make disciples because not one, because, you know, you need to do, 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 but it's because you get to, and we, you know, why, who wouldn't want to spread the good news, right? You know, if you had the most incredible news, and even if it requires some sort of sacrifice, some sort of risk to give your life away. If it was the best news on earth, why wouldn't we spread it? You know, and that's just convicting my heart right now in and of itself, but God isn't the one needing us and we need him. God isn't depending on us. And that's the truth. Okay. Challenge of the week. Compliment one person a day. Now, this sounds kind of silly. I don't even care. I like every time I like go to like a, like a fast food place or if I'm in public or something like that, like I, and I, I see like someone, I'm like, Hey, I want to look, I want to like be a little extra loving today. Like, even if I don't like someone's outfit, like if I see them in the store, I'll just point and be like, dude, I like your shirt. And it's just like that rewarding feeling of like, Oh man, that probably made their, not like make their day, but they're probably like, Oh, that made me feel a little good. Like, Oh, thanks. You know, like every time you compliment someone, think about like the fact that they're like, Oh, thank you. Like, Oh, appreciate it. You know, like, so I think maybe having that opportunity to be like, to just make, not even make someone's day, but to make them smile, to be like, Oh, you know, thanks. Like, Hey, I like your mask. <laughs> you know, as silly as masks are. Um, I, I am pro mask by the way. I think we definitely need them, but, um, but yeah, compliment one person a day this week, you know, just make, make someone smile, you know, like what better way to show love than to look like love and to compliment someone, right? So that's my challenge of the week. Hope you guys are staying healthy. And uh, remember, if we are in him, we can keep growing and keep going. We'll see you guys next time.